Book One, Chapter Three of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Three Consequences. Every precaution being taken with regard to Lavinia and her clothes, for warding off infection to Eugenia, as if yet she had escaped it, Mrs. Tyrold fixed a day for fetching her little daughter from Cleves. Sir Hugh, at the earnest entreaty of Camilla, invited the young party to come again early that morning, that some amends might be made them for their recent disappointment of the ball and supper, by a holiday and a little sport, previous to the arrival of Mrs. Tyrold, to whom he voluntarily pledged his word that Eugenia should not again be taken abroad, nor suffered to appear before any strangers. Various gambols were now again enacted by the once more happy group, but all was conducted with as much security as gaiety, till Lionel proposed the amusement of riding upon a plank in the park. A plank was immediately procured by the gardener, and placed upon the trunk of an old oak, where it parted into two thick branches. The boys and the three eldest girls balanced one another in turn, with great delight and dexterity. But Sir Hugh feared committing the little Eugenia, for whom he was grown very anxious amongst them, till the repinings of the child demolished his prudence. The difficulty how to indulge her with safety was, nevertheless, considerable, and after various experiments, he resolved to trust her to nobody but himself, and, placing her upon his lap, occupied one end of the plank, and desired that as many of the rest as were necessary to make the weight equal would seat themselves upon the other. This diversion was short, but its consequences were long. Edgar Mandelbert, who superintended the balance, poised it with great exactness, yet no sooner was Sir Hugh elevated than, becoming exceedingly giddy, he involuntarily loosened his hold of Eugenia, who fell from his arms to the ground. In the agitation of his fright he stooped forward to save her, but lost his equilibrium, and instead of rescuing, followed her. The greatest confusion ensued. Edgar, with admirable adroitness, preserved the elder girls from suffering by the accident, and Lionel took care of himself by leaping instantly from the plank. Sir Hugh, extremely bruised, could not get up without pain, but all concern and attention soon centred in the little Eugenia, whose incessant cries raised apprehensions of some more than common mischief. She was carried to the house in the arms of Edgar, and delivered to the governess. She screamed the whole time she was undressing, and Edgar, convinced she had received some injury, galloped off unbid for a surgeon. But what was the horror of Sir Hugh, upon hearing him pronounce that her left shoulder was put out, and that one of her knees was dislocated. In an agony of remorse he shut himself up in his room, without power to issue a command or listen to a question, nor could he be prevailed upon to open his door till the arrival of Mrs. Tyrold. Hastily then rushing out, he hurried to meet her, and, snatching both her hands, and pressing them between his own, he burst into a passionate flood of tears, and sobbed out, "'Hate me, my dear sister, for you can't help it, for I'm sorry to tell it you, 
but I believe I have been the death of poor Eugenia that never hurt a fly in her life. Pale and struck with dread, yet always possessing her presence of mind, Mrs. Tyrold disengaged herself and demanded where she might find her. Sir Hugh could make no rational answer, but Edgar, who had run downstairs, purposing to communicate the tidings more gently, briefly stated the misfortune and conducted her to the poor little sufferer. Mrs. Tyrold, though nearly overpowered by a sight so affecting, still preserved her faculties for better uses than lamentation. She held the child in her arms while the necessary operations were performing by the surgeon. She put her to bed, and watched by her side the whole night, during which, in defiance of all precautions, a high fever came on, and she grew worse every moment. The next morning, while still in this alarming state, the unfortunate little innocent exhibited undoubted symptoms of the smallpox. Mr. Tyrold now also established himself at Cleves to share the parental task of nursing the afflicted child, whose room he never left except to give consolation to his unhappy brother, who lived wholly in his own apartment, refusing the sight even of Camilla, and calling himself a monster too wicked to look at anything that was good though the affectionate little girl, pining at the exclusion, continually presented herself at his door. The disease bore every prognostic of fatal consequences, and the fond parents soon lost all hope, though they redoubled every attention. Sir Hugh then gave himself up wholly to despair. He darkened his room, refused all food but bread and water, permitted no one to approach him, and reviled himself invariably with the contrition of a willful murderer. In this state of self-punishment he persevered, till the distemper unexpectedly took a sudden and happy turn, and the surgeon made known that his patient might possibly recover. The joy of Sir Hugh was now as frantic as his grief had been the moment before. He hastened to his drawing-room, commanded that the whole house should be illuminated, promised a year's wages to all his servants, bid his housekeeper distribute beef and broth throughout the village, and sent directions that the bells of the three nearest parish churches should be rung for a day and a night. But when Mr. Tyrold, to avert the horror of any wholly unprepared disappointment, represented the still precarious state of Eugenia, and the many changes yet to be feared, he desperately reversed all his orders, returned sadly to his dark room, and protested he would never more rejoice till Mrs. Tyrold herself should come to him with good news. This anxiously waited, at length arrived. Eugenia, though seamed and even scarred by the horrible disorder, was declared out of danger, and Mrs. Tyrold, burying her anguish at the alteration, in her joy for the safety of her child, with an heart overflowing from pious gratitude, became the messenger of peace, and holding out her hand to Sir Hugh, assured him that the little Eugenia would soon be well. Sir Hugh, in an ecstasy which no power could check, forgot every pain and infirmity to hurry up to the apartment of the little girl, that he might kneel, he said, at her feet, and there give thanks for her recovery. But the moment he entered the room, and saw the dreadful havoc grim disease had made on her face, not a trace of her beauty left, no resemblance by which he could have known her, he shrunk back, wrung his hands, called himself the most sinful of all created beings, 
and in the deepest despondence sunk into a chair and wept aloud. Eugenia soon began to cry also, though unconscious for what cause, and Mrs. Tyrold remonstrated to Sir Hugh upon the uselessness of such transports, calmly beseeching him to retire and compose himself. "'Yes, sister,' he answered, "'yes, I'll go away, for I am sure I do not want to look at her again. But to think of it's all being my doing. Oh, brother, oh, sister, why don't you both kill me in return?' And what amends can I make her? What amends, except a poor trifle of money? And as to that, she shall have it, God knows, every penny I am worth, the moment I am gone. Ay, that she shall, to a single shilling, if I die to-morrow. Starting up with revived courage from this idea, he ventured again to turn his head towards Eugenia, exclaiming, Oh, if she does but get well! does but ease my poor conscience by making me out not to be a murderer. A guinea for every pit in that poor face I will settle on her out of hand, yes, before I so much as breathe again, for fear of dying in the meantime. Mrs. Tyrold scarce noticed this declaration, but his brother endeavoured to dissuade him from so sudden and partial a measure. He would not, however, listen. He made what speed he could downstairs, called hastily for his hat and stick, commanded all his servants to attend him, and muttering frequent ejaculations to himself that he would not trust to changing his mind, he proceeded to the family chapel, and approaching with eager steps to the altar, knelt down, and bidding every one hear and witness what he said, made a solemn vow, that if he might be cleared of the crime of murder by the recovery of Eugenia, he would atone what he could for the ill he had done her, by bequeathing to her everything he possessed in the world, in estate, cash, and property, without the deduction of a sixpence. He told all present to remember and witness this, in case of an apoplexy, before his new will could be written down. Returning then to the house, lightened, he said, from a load of self-reproach, which had rendered the last fortnight insupportable to him, he sent for the attorney of a neighbouring town, and went upstairs with a firmer mind to wait his arrival in the sick-room. "'Oh, my dear uncle!' cried his long-banished Camilla, who, hearing him upon the stairs, skipped lightly after him. "'How glad I am to see you again! I almost thought I should see you no more!' Here ended at once the just-acquired tranquillity of Sir Hugh, all his satisfaction forsook him at the appearance of his little darling. He considered her as an innocent creature whom he was preparing to injure. He could not bear to look at her. His heart smote him in her favour. His eyes filled with tears. He was unable to go on, and with slow and trembling steps he moved again towards his own room. "'My dearest uncle!' cried Camilla, holding by his coat and hanging upon his arm. "'Won't you speak to me?' "'Yes, my dear, to be sure I will,' he answered, endeavouring to hide his emotion. "'Only not now, so don't follow me, Camilla, for I'm going to be remarkably busy.' "'Oh, uncle,' she cried plaintively, "'and I have not seen you so long, and I have wished so to see you, and I have been so unhappy about Eugenia, and you have always locked your door, and I would not rap hard at it for fear you should be asleep. But why would you not see me, uncle?' and why will you send me away? My dear Camilla, he replied with increased agitation, I have used you very ill, 
I have been your worst enemy, which is the very reason I don't care to see you. So go away, I beg, for I am bad enough without all this. But I give you my thanks for all your little playful gambols, for having nothing better now to offer you, which is but a poor return from an uncle to a niece. He then shut himself into his room, leaving Camilla drowned in tears at the outside of the door. Wretched in reflecting upon the shock and disappointment which the new disposition of his affairs must occasion her, he had not the fortitude to inform her of his intention. He desired to speak with Edgar Mandelbert, who, with all the Tyrold family, resided for the present at Cleves, and abruptly related to him the new destination he had just vowed of his wealth, beseeching that he would break it in the softest manner to his poor little favourite, assuring her she would always be the first in his love, though a point of mere conscience had forced him to make a choice of another heiress. Edgar, whose zeal to serve and oblige had never been put to so severe a test, hesitated how to obey this injunction. Yet he would not refuse it, as he found that all the servants of the house were enabled, if they pleased, to anticipate more incautiously the ill news. He followed her, therefore, into the garden, whither she had wandered to weep unobserved. But he stopped short at sight of her distress, conceiving his errand to be already known to her, and determined to consult with Indiana, to whom he communicated his terrible embassy, entreating her to devise some consolation for her poor cousin. Indiana felt too much chagrined at her own part in this transaction to give her attention to Camilla. She murmured without scruple at the deprivation of what she had once expected for herself, and at another time for her brother, and expressed much resentment at the behaviour of her uncle, mingled with something very near repining, not merely at his late preference of Camilla, but even at the recovery of the little Eugenia. Edgar heard her with surprise, and wondered to find how much less her beauty attracted him from the failure of her good nature. He now pursued the weeping Camilla, who, dispersing her tears at his approach, pretended to be picking some lavender, and keeping her eyes steadfastly upon the bush, asked him if he would have any. He took a sprig, but spoke to her in a voice of such involuntary compassion that she soon lost her self-command, and the big drops again rolled fast down her cheeks. Extremely concerned, he strove gently to soothe her, but the expressions of regret at her uncle's avoidance, which then escaped her, soon convinced him his own task was still to be performed. With anxious fear of the consequences of a blow so unlooked for, he executed it with all the speed, yet all the consideration in his power. Camilla, the moment she understood him, passionately clasped her hands and exclaimed, "'Oh, if that is all, if my uncle indeed loves me so well as before all this, I am sure I can never, never be so wicked as to envy poor little Eugenia, who has suffered so much, and almost been dying, because she will be richer than I shall be.' Edgar, delighted and relieved, thought she was grown a thousand times more beautiful than Indiana, and eagerly taking her hand ran with her to the apartment of the poor disconsolate Sir Hugh, where his own eyes soon overflowed from tenderness and admiration at the uncommon scene he witnessed, of the generous affection with which Camilla consoled the fond distress of her uncle, though springing from her own disappointment and loss. 
they stayed till the arrival of the attorney, who took the directions of Sir Hugh, and drew up for his immediate satisfaction a short deed making over according to his vow all that he should die possessed of, without any let or qualification whatsoever, to his niece Eugenia. This was properly signed and sealed, and Sir Hugh hastened upstairs with a copy of it to Mr. Tyrold. All remonstrance was ineffectual. His conscience, he protested, could no other way be appeased. His noble little Camilla had forgiven him her ill usage, and he could now bear to look at the change for the worse in Eugenia, without finding his heart-strings ready to burst at the sight. "'You!' he cried. "'Brother, who do not know what it is I have suffered through my conscience, can't tell what it is to get a little ease. For if she had died, you might all have had the comfort to say twas I murdered her, which would have given you the satisfaction of having had no hand in it. But then, what would have become of poor me, having it all upon my own head? However, now, thank heaven, I have no need to care about the matter. For as to the mere loss of beauty, pretty as it is to look at, I hope it is no such great injury, as she'll have a splendid fortune, which is certainly a better thing in point of lasting. For as to beauty, Lord help us, what is it, except just to the eye? He then walked up to the child, intending to kiss her, but stopped and sighed involuntarily as he looked at her, saying, After all, she's not like the same thing, no more than I am myself. I shall never think I know her again, never as long as I live. I can't so much as believe her to be the same, though I am sure of its being true. However, it shall make no change in my love for her, poor little dear, for it's all my own doing, though innocently enough as to any meaning God knows. It was still some time before the little girl recovered, and then a new misfortune became daily more palpable, from some latent and incurable mischief owing to her fall, which made her grow up with one leg shorter than the other, and her whole figure diminutive and deformed. These additional evils reconciled her parents to the partial will of her uncle, which they now, indeed, thought less wanting in equity, since no other reparation could be offered to the innocent sufferer for ills so insurmountable. End of chapter 3 Recording by Icy Jumbo